0: Welcome to the Matrix Care Podcast from the software leader for out-of-hospital and long-term care providers. Matrix Care is dedicated to sharing knowledge and empowering providers across the care continuum, including home-based and facility-based care organizations. Today's episode is co-hosted by Healthcare First. Healthcare First helps home health and hospice providers to streamline and optimize their business with their suite of services that increase business efficiencies, Simplify CMS compliance, expedite reimbursement, and improve patient care. Naveen Gupta, Senior Vice President of Home and Hospice Division for Matrix Care, is our host with his special guest. So let's dive in.
1: Excellent, Doc. Thank you very much. Uh, again, I am really looking forward to this particular discussion. We're going to talk about CAP's Hospice Survey. Many of you are familiar those of you certainly within hospice. But for those of you that are not familiar, the Cap hospice Survey, what it does is it samples primary caregivers of deceased patients who meet certain criteria. And the administration typically occurs several months after death. Uh, and there are different um, teams and different topics on which it's measured, you know, from hospice care to helpful patient symptoms, how does communication work with hospice teams, uh, and various other topics around that to drive an overall rating uh, for the hospice care and their willingness, more importantly, to recommend this particular hospice. And hospice agencies, they pay very careful attention to these surveys, uh, and in one sense it's a scorecard of how they're doing in terms of delivering quality care. So joining me today is the CEO of Hospice of Santa Cruz County. Um, mm-hmm. Kathy, I am so excited to have you. Welcome.
2: Thank
1: you, Naveen, It's good to be here with you. So, Kathy, very often, uh, you know, in our in our podcast, we always just begin by chatting with our guests about their origin story. And you know, I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of specifics about caps and quality and all of those good things. But uh, it's a great way for us to get to know you, for our listeners to get to know you as well. I did read a little bit about your background. Um, you know, your story also begins. Uh, not, not surprisingly, with with a number of leaders within hospice here in the corporate world, very successful, and then something shifts. Share with us your journey in healthcare, and how did you get to hospice of Santa Cruz County?
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. So my journey with hospice started back in the uh, mid-'90s. I was living in San Francisco, and as you mentioned, working in the corporate sector. I worked for a large uh, high-tech publishing company, and I had worked with yes. them for about 10 years. Uh, and I had lived uh, a number of different places on the East Coast. I had worked in Europe with them. Uh, I moved out to San Francisco a couple of times. Uh, and the last time I moved out in the mid-90s, I was looking to do some volunteer work. And a friend thought I would enjoy volunteering in hospice. Uh, so some, somehow I got connected to uh, a hospice called Mytree. It's a 15-bed residential hospice uh, that mm-hmm. at that time was mostly serving people with AIDS. And really, after my first day of even inquiring about volunteering at Mytree, when I stepped through the doors of this old Victorian house that was filled with caring and compassionate staff and volunteers, um, I I just knew that this work would change me. And with each visit, I felt I was able to consider um, what's really important in life because I was interacting with people who were nearing the end of their lives. So I wound up uh, leaving my corporate job and actually taking a year and a half off and just volunteering at MyTree. Um, And then when it was time that I needed to return to work, I returned and entered the nonprofit sector. Um, And then Mm -hmm. for the last 16 years, um, I've held various leadership roles at Hospice of Santa Cruz County. Uh, I just stepped into the CEO role in June. uh, And I've been thinking a lot about that time at MyTree uh, and how Mm -hmm. that uh, caring and compassion. Of that team has really informed my leadership at
1: Hospice of Santa Cruz County. Well, Kathy, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, one of our favorite people, um, one of our clients, um, Sandra De Cristo, Tara Lowry. She's the CEO of uh, the hospice organization there. And she shares a similar story to yours, uh, and it's it's so powerful, so compelling when you find a sort of your your life's calling and mission. You know, very successful where you are, but you see. This unique need uh, within hospice care, and certainly, you know, it, it's a it's a special for to everyone. I mean, from clinicians to others that really work in that space. So, thank you for sharing a, a little a little bit of that. You know, the the hospice news article, um, you know, you were you were you were interviewed. I believe it was in, uh, in a couple of months ago. Um, it really caught our attention, and um, you know, as you referenced uh, the hospice honors award. As you're right, Kathy, we're also an EHR vendor, and just like uh, CAPS measures how uh, hospice organizations are doing, CLAS, uh, it's a not-the-profit organization, they measure how tech vendors are doing, and, uh, you know, we did win the, the 2020 award, and the award, and uh, as you may have heard in the other box, it's meaningful to us um, in, in one sense because, obviously, you want to be graded high or top of that list, per se, but it, it represents something far more, right? It represents how are we doing with regards to the client experience. And we measure it across various different dimensions, just as CMS does with CAPS. So they measure, again, satisfaction and loyalty and training and implementation and of quality and integration, those various range of things there. As I read through your article, uh, we love the reference, obviously, to the Hospice Honors Award to so your, you know, tying it back to your critical long-term goals. Help us understand, you know, if you mind unpacking that for us in your words, how do you see CAP and the award that you won from Healthcare First tying back to, uh, your your critical long-term goals and what you're aspiring to do?
2: Sure, well, the hospice honors award i mean we we take a lot of pride in that to me, it comes back to our vision at Hospice of San Cruz County. Our vision is that we envision a community where people can live and die with dignity mm. and, what, and when we 're serving our community members at the end of life, um, we have a role to play in that vision, um, and the hospice Honors Award uh, for us is so important because. It's awarded to those hospices that continuously provide that highest level of quality care. Um, most importantly, it's measured by the point of view of the caregivers of our hospice patients. Um,
1: That's correct.
2: So, so to us, that is our families telling us, "Yes, you are providing excellent care," and uh, you know that connects back to our mission. Um, and in order for us to also remain the hospice of choice in our community, in order for us to stay true to that mission, to stay true to that vision, um, and serve our community, I feel we have a responsibility to, to show up the best way we can, providing the best and highest quality of care. Early on in my hospice career, uh, I heard a leader say something that you often don't get a second chance with a patient and family mm. to do it right. Um, And that really stuck with me. It's, you know, it's our responsibility to continually look for ways to improve, uh, to learn from patients and families we serve, uh, and to really ensure that we're meeting their physical, their emotional, their spiritual needs, and their cultural customs and beliefs. Um, And so the CAP score uh, and Hospice Honors Awards keep us focused really on that.
1: Okay, congratulations. I should have started with that to begin with. Uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a small uh, achievement. Um, you know, you're back-to-back, you know, you've won the award. Uh, and again, you know, as, as I said, the class is great, but it means more than that. As you said, it, 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 it means that you're fulfilling, it's way to target the vision that you have to be able to provide the level of care uh, across all these various dimensions, emotional, spiritual, certainly clinical as well. Um, I did have a chance to to dig a little bit deeper into, you know, the composite measures and to see, um, you know, how, you know, your uh, organization was doing against the CMS national average and and then the national average that Shukia first also measured and across all of them you know clearly you're you're above you know with communication and family the timeliness of how treating patients respect emotional and spiritual support in and symptoms, all of those great numbers like very very strong numbers and and i'm aware of that many agencies are looking to improve this scores this is this is information that is available cms publishes them and in 2016, your numbers were below the national average, I and mean, then you know, by, by the time you got to 2019, you had won the first Hospice Honors Award and then repeated it. We'd love for you to be able to share, um, you know, how did that turnaround come? Uh, how were you using that data, you know, whether you know, operationally through process improvement? Um, just share with us, and I'm sure agencies will really benefit from your journey uh, of really looking, looking at this data and driving just improved outcomes.
2: Yeah, sure. I'm happy to share um, our journey because it was a journey along the way. And as you mentioned, uh, back in August 2016, there were four areas that we saw that we were below national average. And uh, we, uh, first of all, that that didn't sit well with us for serving our patients. We also recognized that uh, Hospice Compare was going to be launched that year. Uh, Yeah. August uh, 2017 I think is when it launched, Um, but we wanted to be prepared for that. So once our scores could be seen by everyone, we wanted to ensure that we had the highest scores. We are uh, a legacy hospice in our community. We've been here for 42 years. Uh, We're the preferred hospice provider in our community, and we wanted those scores to reflect that. Uh, So we noticed that there were four areas that we were below the national average. Um, And Mm we had these results uh, with clinical leaders at quarterly QAPI meetings, like most people do, uh, and still we weren't seeing our scores uh, really move. We weren't able to move the leaders. Um, So our clinical leaders um, partnered with our marketing staff to create a tool uh, and to bring problem-solving further down in the organization. So instead of just working with our leaders at QAPI, We really felt the need to bring this uh, into our frontline staff. So, over the next 12 months, uh, we added a 15 minute education session specifically focused on these goals, and we carved that out of every IDT meeting. Uh, And and what we did was take one of the goals uh, per per meeting, per session, and uh, we created this tool that uh, looked at A specific goal, uh, and it looked at where we were uh, compared to the national average and compared to what we wanted to get to, what our goal was. And so uh, the team would review that goal. Uh, We'd actually look at the question, how it was asked. We would present from a leadership uh, perspective what we know uh, about that, and we would present maybe one or two best practices. And then we would open it okay. a discussion. And in that discussion, we called it peer talk, uh, that the team would be able to share with each other how they uh, addressed uh, that issue that we were dealing with. So um, uh, so we'd read the question, we would share the best practices, and then they would be get get to share their own ideas of, of how they were addressing this issue. And... Uh, somebody captured all that information so next week when they came we deal with a new question but during the week they would have gotten this grid this tool and uh, it would have all the answers that their fellow staff members came up with what they considered best practices so it was really okay. using the wisdom of the team to build this out uh, and it was extremely effective. It took us a whole year to get through all the questions. Uh, we didn't just use the questions. We didn't just focus on the questions that we had low scores. We, co- we focused on all the questions. And the great thing about that is we could share with the team, here's a question uh, or an area that we're doing really well on. What else could you be doing? How, what are you doing that makes this score so high? And again, they could share that with all the team. Um, so by the end of this year, uh, all of our teams had kind of a notebook, a little booklet that had uh, this tool that showed all the questions, that showed the best practices that our leadership came up with, and the best practices that all their peers came up with. And by the end of the year, um, our global rating of patient care had increased uh, from 81% uh, to almost 88%, which was three times above the national average. Uh, mm-hmm. all of our Composite scores had increased above the national average, uh, except for two, which had met the national average. Uh, and now we hold the highest scores in all categories among all the hospices serving Santa Cruz County on the Hospice Compare website. Uh, and then we were just thrilled when uh, we received the Hospice of Care Award uh uh, excuse me hospice honors award and then to receive it two years in a row uh really was meaningful to us we're going back and redesigning this tool so it looks fresh to people again and we're going to start this process again uh we're aware that in uh this time of the pandemic uh that you know it's it'll be challenging to uh to continue to uh, keep these scores high and, and continue to meet the needs of patients and families, when uh, we're just challenged by how we do that and learning new ways to do that. So this is a real time to pull this tool out again and use it again.
1: Well, Kathy, I loved it. Right. So one of the one of the sort of values within our organization, we talk about you know executing with humility while at the same time, you know, we want to do it with excellence and rigor. And just hearing what you described uh, of, you know, first, make, taking a look in the mirror and saying, look, we're we're not where we should be, right? So that requires acknowledging uh there's room for improvement. Second is the rigor to do it week after week after week, um, which, again, is, is persistence to put it as a priority. It's front and center. And what I loved also was, Kathy, what you shared, knowing that the answers to this when it comes from the people within the organization, those that are very close, providing care or are, or are tied to you, front lines that you're including them in in being able to solicit what what they think uh, can con- contribute to to providing you know improved uh, results to those questions and and doing it consistently. Uh, having a process, having a tool in place, keeping it front and center, and I'm sure this was part of the KPIs. You were measuring this data, and to then begin to see a turnaround—wow! Um, it's like it, it, it's a great formula um, for for any agency wanting to to do exactly what, what you've been able to to accomplish, Kathy. Kathy, just curious, were there were there any moments of frustration to that process?
2: Um, that's a good question. Uh... I think there was frustration with the staff at first uh, until we really explained. And I wouldn't say frustration, but when I mentioned that we did all the scores, uh, you know, there was a question, why are we focusing on this when we're already above the national average? And and the the answer was, how can we learn from each other? How can we stay there, right? And Mm -hmm. yes, we are going to do this at every IDT meeting. And, you know, that, uh, thank you for bringing that up because that takes discipline. That takes discipline throughout the organization. Uh, And that comes back to, you know, one of my my business mantras is do what you say you're going to do. And that can Mm. seem pretty simple, right? You're going to do what you say you're going to do. But if you're going to move away from it, that you communicate and negotiate when you move away from it. Because uh, so many times we'll start something, I think this happens in all organizations, you start something, and then somehow it just kind of slips away. And we didn't let this slip away. We, we committed to doing this and committed to doing it through all the scores, uh, through taking a year to do this, and it really made the difference.
1: Wow. Well, I, I, I love that. I really do. Um, you, you know, Kathy. Just looking at your organization and there are sort of four pillars you described. Um, you know, patient experience, culture, sustainability, and innovation. And as I was sort of looking at that a little bit, trying to think, to um, how have these sort of pillars influenced your success, or did the the outcomes in terms of you know, beating the national averages, you know, give birth to these pillars or with these pillars in place already, and, and, it, and it really forced you think about patient experience as a pillar. It forced you to do the rigor that you just described for us.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, I should, I do want to say that the, you know, our agency uh, worked many years ago with the Studer Group, uh, and we first adopted their pillar goal strategies uh, for hardwiring excellence, and that's actually. Uh, Still a really great book that I rely on, uh, Hardwiring Excellence, uh, by Quint Studer. Uh, But Studer worked with five pillars, and their pillars, uh, which we first started with, were quality, service, uh, financial, people, and growth. And over the years, we modified those uh, pillars to align with our culture. So to us, the pillars of quality and service were really about improving the patient experience. And we felt that bringing the patient uh, into our annual goals was really important, even in just the name uh, and so that mm. was a real shift when we looked at it from the patient experience um, we once uh, uh, we once called the people goal uh, the people goal we changed that to culture uh, because mm. we wanted it to be more than just reducing turnover and staff, we wanted to create a culture of excellence and accountability. So for us, when we talked about culture, uh, we could start looking at uh, ways that we were supporting uh, our staff throughout the organization. Um, The finance pillar uh, became known as sustainability pillar uh, because that represented uh, why finance goals are important to us. Uh, We want to continue to thrive so that we can serve the community. Uh, And the last pillar, growth, we changed that to innovation um, because innovation drives growth in, in our organization. And we've had some really interesting goals under innovation that have been a catalyst for real change within our organization and to growth in our organization. So we took something that originally worked well for our organization. And as our organization changed and grew, we adapted it uh, to meet what our needs were today. Um, So each year we set uh, goals for the agency based on those four pillars, patient experience, cultural sustainability and innovation. Uh, And those are high level goals uh, for the agency as a whole. And then everyone within the organization uh, can see either how those goals cascade down to them, or how they ladder up to those uh, goals, whichever way they prefer to look at it. Uh, and so everyone has a goal that is either attached to an actual pillar goal that we have, or to the category.
1: Yeah, Kathy, so impressive, so impressive, and just and again, you've you, you, know, you know, been forty plus years this organization, but very mature in discipline goals, strategy, strategy, and action, and how that's sort of flowing through. I love the whole culture. Even the changes that you've made, you know, from growth to innovation, the emphasis on culture, uh, oftentimes you talk about the what and the how. You know, culture is this, you know, it's not something that's easy to describe, but it permeates every aspect of what you really do within your organization. And so, you know, having a culture of excellence and rigor is demonstrated when you can Continue to persist, you know, week after week after a goal that you've set and had that front and center, and then you know, really reach the goal that you've been aspiring to, and that just speaks to to, to your organization. So, really, really uh, inspiring, Kathy. So, thank you for for sharing that uh, with us.
2: Sure. one of one
1: of the questions before, you know, one, one before, uh, you know I, I have a final question for you. So, um, again, you know, I, you described your process of how you went about um you know being able to drive quality improvements across all of those composite measures etc uh you know many may be, may or may not be aware you know healthcare first is not only a compliance vendor for caps which they're you know twenty or twenty-five odd or more um, but also provides a range of tools for agencies to help uncover problematic areas so that to drive continuous improvement. I was just curious to you know Kathy uh if you're aware of uh, any of these tools? Have you used that? And I'm sure you use you use you know data in many different ways. Excuse, if you're aware of any of the tools that were available uh, from healthcare first to allow agencies to to drive improvement.
2: Yeah, you know we've used healthcare first for uh, our our caps uh, scores uh, goals, and also uh, for our grief support, uh, our bereavement. Uh, okay. and and those have been uh, really helpful in having us measure how we're doing and, again, uh, from the family member's point of view, which is so important. But we haven't used the other tools. And, um, and you know, just you asking the question has has made me uh, interested in what more we can be doing. Um, I think we do a really good job of uh, looking at our data, uh, making sure we're collecting the right data. Uh, there was a time mm-hmm. period years ago that we collected so much data that it was actually a burden and we weren't using it as well as we could. So we've really focused on how we can, what are the things that we want to measure, uh, what are the things that we can change, uh, and really get clearer on what we're we're capturing. Uh, But but those are the two tools that we've used, uh, and, and I haven't used the other tools, frankly.
1: Well, Ken, okay, I mean, it looks like you, you get, you're, you're doing great <laughs> with all the rest of the things that you're doing in place. But certainly there are other tools. Um, There's these quality action boards. We provide, you know, comparison summaries, performance scorecards, and each hospice is, is able to view uh, the various positive responses and be able to slice and dice in multiple different ways. There are various kinds of supports that allow drill down, and compare results by agencies, clinicians um, you know look at qualitative uh data as well um, you know which is captured by by the, the process, which is sort of unique uh, as well um and so yeah I, I think I think you know for you and maybe for others who are listening if there's an interest um uh, to understand a little bit more what tools are available. I think you know your organization in particular is doing doing really, really well. Um, But some of these might be able to further sharpen uh, the objective of what you're you're going after. So, Kathy, thank you very much for just sharing uh, what you've done. It's a a remarkable story. It's inspirational. And we really believe our listeners are going to tremendously benefit from hearing what you've done uh, and how you've been able to not only just win the uh, hospice, honors award, but more importantly, you know, be able to serve your community and, and fulfill the mission uh, and vision that you have. So Kathy, I'll give you the final, any final thoughts uh, on anything that you may want to share for other host organizations that listen to this and are looking to sort of go down the path that you've been on.
2: You know, thank you, Naveen. And, um, and you know, I really just appreciated uh, spending the time thinking about this again, because, uh, you know, we're in a, uh, a challenging time. I think all hospices, uh, certainly our our country is in a challenging time uh, with COVID-19 right now. And I think uh, at times like this, uh, it's important to continue that discipline of looking at your scores, of looking at how you're responding to your community and being able to be nimble enough to to change your practices uh, in order to meet the changing needs of the community. Um, so you know, I really look at this as a tool uh, that has been successful to for us. And uh, and if this information that I share can be successful to other hospices, that just makes me happy because all I think all of us are committed. Anyone who's in the hospice industry is committed to uh, providing the best care they can at what is such a a, a tender and and personal and challenging time for patients
1: and families
2: and so if we are able to use these tools to further our mission and vision uh, i feel like we're in in the right spot and so to be able to offer those to others uh, feels very important
1: thank you kathy i've certainly enjoyed having you and thank you for making time uh, you know, we'd would love, would love to spend time with you again. You know, we, we would love to catch up and see how you're doing uh, and how we can
0: continue to support support your mission as well. So. That concludes today's episode brought to you by Matrix Care and Healthcare First. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to visit us at www.matrixcare.com or www.healthcarefirst.com for more information on our solutions and services. Please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode or have other topics you'd like to hear discussed. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to hear more from Matrix Gear. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.